At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Tuesday night edition of the Dunk Time Basketball Podcast. The Wizards and Celtics proved me eminently wrong when I ranked their series last in terms of intrigue because this was an absolute cl- classic game helped by the fact that Markeith Morris returned and actually was able to give a, a pretty heroic performance given how bad that ankle sprain was. Celtics took it 129-119 in overtime behind 53 points in 45 minutes from Isaiah Thomas. Then the Warriors hold serve at home 106-94 over the jazz uh we're sponsored today by blinkist go to blinkist.com slash cap space to start your free trial or get three months off your yearly plan for loads of summaries of key insights of a number of great informative books and then sherry's berries sherry's berries is offering huge freshly dipped strawberries starting at 19.99 plus shipping for mother's day so go to berries.com and use the code CAPSPACE to get those. I'm actually sending some of those to my girlfriend's mother. But we will, of course, tell you more about those sponsors later in the show. But first, let's talk about uh, this classic game between the Celtics and Wizards. Danny, I, I think we should start with the fact that Morris was able to play, and I thought at least offensively gave them something pretty good. Sure, and, and that was a big lift again in the first quarter. Felt vaguely like game one, albeit with not as dr- dramatic a turn for either team and then eventually the Celtics kind of worked their way back but yeah I mean I I was cracking jokes on Twitter the entire time about how you know maybe it was Marcus that was out there but this didn't look no it was like... not Marcus because uh this Morris brother actually blocked a shot in the fourth quarter which right. uh, Marcus would never do <laughs> Right. And, and and I think that what what was so impressive to me was that you didn't notice how the ankle sprain all the time. You did see it sometimes, but absolutely. Yeah. For a, for a player to go through that, and we had talked about how, you know, not only did we not think he was going to play, but oh, you really have to watch it. He looked far better than I ever expected. No, I, I agree. I thought there was no way he was going to play and the, he, the swelling, they were able to get it down and he was able to get out there. And he actually had 16 points on six of 11 from the field and also also had some great passes as well Th- three assists and including late in the game when john wall kind of ran out of gas uh washington you mentioned the similarities with the first game they scored actually more points i think in the first quarter this one 42 points on 26 possessions so a 160 offensive rating and then of course in the second quarter going against the wizards maligned bench unit boston got right back in the game outscoring them 35 25 and so it was 67 64 washington at halftime and we'll don't worry we'll get into great detail on the end of this game this crazy performance by both wall and isaiah wall had 40 points 13 assists in his own right and he was ridiculous early on but i i thought he really faded late and i'm not sure whether he got tired or just you know stopped making shots or whatever you want to say but wasn't able to get to the rim with the same sort of force and his jumper just started missing which you know can happen with him he's not like a knockdown jump shooter in the first three quarters wall had 35 points on 14 to 20 
three shooting and 11 assists. And it seemed like he had a hand in everything good that the Wizards did. And then he was at 42 minutes by the end of regulation. And I understand why Scott Brooks did that. While, you know, there there's a reasonable argument to me that players as good as he is need to be able to shoulder that burden. But to me, like to you... It wasn't the same John Wall, particularly in that fourth quarter, and then and then you know what happened after that happened after that. Well, he was guarding but, Isaiah too, which was and right. Isaiah was it had was running him through so much stuff off ball. I mean, there's to be able to do that, guard him and shoulder the load offensively, it might have just been impossible. And then Isaiah is just hiding out on Otto Porter or Kelly Oubre the whole time. Right. And Wall has, you know, he has just ridiculous responsibilities for this team in this series. Not only, I mean, in this game, it wasn't only just, you know, orchestrating the offense. It was also being their leading scorer, both in terms of shots taken and shots made. And a lot of times, it was, you know, it came down to him just creating one-on-one and sometimes they would send help and then he'd make the pass. And he was just incredibly impressive again, particularly in those first three quarters to me. And it was a reminder. I mean, we got to see haymakers from both of these legit stars and I did not expect uh, while I expect in like you know we've been hi- at least like I think both of us had been hyping this series just in terms of being interesting it just got trumped by all of the other series that are going on but yeah, and we the saw Morris a little injury bit to reduce my interest. and the Morris injury like I think that we I, it was a good reminder of not only that these teams can be well balanced but that they can play intriguing enjoyable basketball against each other oh yeah I mean I think we said there's no way the winning team in this game I don't think there'll be a single game in the series where the winning team is under a buck 10 unless it just gets into garbage time and nobody scores down the end I, another thing i thought was just crazy about thomas and wall's performance they combined for 55 shots and only had six turnovers between them and that's pretty impressive there as well so uh, the fact that they didn't turn the ball over at all and then wall had three seals and he had three blocks continuing his completely unchallenged run as the greatest shot blocking point guard of all time he he had some huge ones late or and other ones where he just contested at the rim and guys were like who is this <laughs> like where is this coming from there's just like this enormous condor like coming into uh well affect and, my shot and the one he had blocking a corner three i i think it was rosier might have been marcus smart like that was just as impressive as a chase down block yeah yeah that one he got isaiah thomas for very late on a play we'll talk about later i, I thought it was very interesting to see the wizard strategy early first play john wall post up on isaiah thomas second play beal screens for wall gets isaiah thomas onto him and then he tries to post up on him then wall tried to post up on thomas again and they got two fouls on thomas with like eight minutes gone by or or eight minutes left in the first already and thomas never picked up another foul after that he he, and and he played 45 minutes uh missed a little bit of time with the foul trouble but not much and then the other big thing that happened relatively early i think it was in the first quarter was thomas getting two wide open corner threes and just absolutely drilling both of those which he did in game one but he did not do it all in the Chicago series yeah I mean five of 12 on three pointers today that also is a very solid percentage I mean when he's doing that he's just completely impossible I mean you just have no option to guard him unless you just have bigs who can just switch out onto him and even then you know he's going to beat all but the best bigs and get to the rim and set up something juicy I mean I really appreciate his approach on switches too you know he's if he's not if he can't get himself wide open for a jumper he's going to drive and force help and then set up some, some juicy stuff which again we'll see some examples of that later on as we go through really the last few possessions of this game and then in the overtime but in a more macro sense I, I thought that Al Horford 
was a lot better on the defensive glass especially in the second half he was just more active and, and terry rozier uh was great too he was plus 25 in 25 minutes he actually was the offense in the offense defense substitutions with uh marcus smart two out of three at, on threes for rozier and six big defensive rebounds four assists for him uh, i mean he for his size and he's like six foot nothing he is probably like the ba- the greatest rebounding point guard i've ever seen it at his size you know i mean he's not like you know russell westbrook type of size like six this is a guy who's just like you know smaller than average for a point guard and he just gets up for every defensive rebound it's really impressive it's also really impressive that he's just i think he, i don't know if he's still number one in plus minus but he was close to that for the entire playoffs and when you you some of that is also just the the nature of the lineups that he plays in but he well, has it, been and a, the terrible terrible bench units of, of their two opponents so far too true 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 and i mean i think that rosier has done a nice job of kind of focusing on his strengths and i i'm not sure that he's going to become you know he can be better at the role that he has like i i when i watch him i don't see starter right now but yeah, he can't pass at all but he's so much better for what he does than i expected him to be and I, he deserves credit for that yeah he's one of the few guys that i just didn't really know that much about coming out of that uh, 2015 draft but it's looking like a, a reasonable pick i mean he was out of the rotation remember to start uh, those first uh, the first game against chicago and they got killed and him playing more and and them going smaller at all times which he was a big part of on the second unit i thought was big in turning around the chicago series and he's of course has earned some time and was you know half of a closing punch was smart as, as the defensive part of it late uh i thought a very key stretch of the game was the end of the third quarter as the wizards had again taking control they're up by 10 and jalen brown had a nice stretch first he got into the post and i thought he is really starting to show some promise as a post player and and kelly olenic was in at center it was being guarded by Gortat and Gortat came over to double team and Brown instead of just picking up his dribble he just kept backing in and just forced Gortat to really commit to the double team and then he just set up Olenek for a wide open three which I think was really the call there um and so that was a, a huge three and then the Wiz had a couple of bad fouls on a just Crowder driving to the basket you don't want to follow him he's not some great off the dribble player and then Jennings fouling Rozier 30 feet from the hoop so they got some free throws late so they cut it to five at the start of the fourth and then Isaiah Thomas just absolutely took over he scored 27 points in the fourth quarter and overtime and as you mentioned Wall you know only scored five points and had two assists on the end and uh, I think we can get into those play-by-play down the end and and see what were some of the reasons that the Celtics were able to pull this out uh, right after this word from our friends at Blinkist. I was really excited to find Blinkist as a sponsor because I basically had been wanting this product for a long time. I, I just... I don't read a ton of nonfiction anymore just because I read so much news on the internet. And part of why was just because I felt like I was only taking away, you know, maybe some certain key insights from the book and to read an entire 350 page book, which is nonfiction. So you're not like entertained by it. You have to sort of slog through. And then like, how much are you really going to take away from that into your life going forward? You know, it's probably only a few small key insights. And so the Blinkist app skips the 350 pages and transforms 2,000 of the best non or the best selling nonfiction books into powerful facts that you can read or listen to in just 15 minutes. Especially because you're, you're listening to your, this podcast, I'm sure that you are quite into the idea of learning in audio form. So if you have an hour long commute, you could get the key insights from two to three books on your way home with Blinkist. It's more knowledge in less time, big ideas in small packages. 
So the way to get started with Blinkist, right now they have a special offer just for our audience. Blinkist.com slash Capspace is the URL to start your free trial, or you get three months off a yearly plan when you join today. And of course, that Blinkist.com slash Capspace URL will let them know that you came from us. And it's easy to remember because we talk about Capspace all the time on the program. That's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Capspace. Start your free trial or get three months off your yearly plan. So Isaiah Thomas came in and started the fourth. I think in part, he usually doesn't come back in that early, but I think in part because he missed some time earlier in the game, they felt good bringing him back in. And they started off the first called play of the quarter was Jalen Brown with a great post up on Kelly Oubre, went right through Oubre and had a nice uh, hanging jumper and we don't need to go through every play here in the fourth quarter but I thought that a key play uh, the Wizards in general to me got a little bit of a rough whistle tonight but one play where Mark Davis I I thought I mean I don't want to say he tried to help them but he actually called an and one when Kelly Oubre took a three and Marcus Smart tried to take a pass and crash charge and instead just like grabbed the passer and just like pulled him down on top of him and Mark Davis saw it that's the same guy who actually called that foul on Harden when he tried to just like grab Andre Robertson's arm and like go up through it for an offensive foul. I loved the call, but then they had to go to the monitor and saw that the foul occurred, you know, milliseconds before Uber got it off. And I, I kind of don't like that. I think you should err in favor of there being an and one in that type of play because you're punishing the offense uh, for, I mean, really it ended up being a good foul, which, you know, there's no reason the Celtics should be rewarded for that. Yeah, I agreed with you, especially considering it was so close in live action. And it seems like a strange thing considering considering it was not crunch time or anything that, that you can review. And because it wasn't like the foul on Smart did anything to really affect the offensive opportunity. So why are you taking that away when the timing was so close? Another thing that was just enormous for the Celtics in the fourth quarter in overtime, Washington still had more offensive rebounds than the Celtics did. But in the fourth quarter in overtime, the Celtics guys like Smart, who had three offensive rebounds where he just crashes in like crazy. Crowder had a huge offensive rebound. He had two Horford had three of his own and then of course they would either draw a loose ball foul or pass it out for a three and and those were huge plays I thought as well and and you just it was funny because I thought at one point the Celtics were more tired than the Wizards were down the stretch and then they were able to summon the energy really to out hustle the Wizards late in the game and having maybe guys like Rozier in there smart who didn't play as many minutes uh maybe helped with that a little bit more and then guys like Gortat and, and of course Morris with his ankle you know, just didn't quite have the ability to react to the ball that maybe they did earlier in the game plus Gortat fouled out early in overtime and Markey fouled out as well so the Celtics may had a 14 to 4 run as Thomas was just going nuts during this period they're actually playing Marcus Smart at the four Avery Bradley at the three and Terry Rozier at the two <laughs> and it actually was working so they take a 102 to 99 lead and then let it 104 102 and that led to a Washington 8-0 run which was enormous uh Markeith Morris hit a jumper uh Bradley Beal he scored 10 points early in the fourth and that was 10 of his 14 points for the game he really struggled overall was 4-15 one of nine on three so and Avery Bradley had, had a big part of that uh and so Washington goes up 110-104, and I thought Boston was exhausted. Like there's, they had a couple of plays where like Crowder missed a layup, and then he was trying to run back, and he was exhausted and just kind of like ran into the back of wall and was lucky to not be called for a foul. And then uh, Horford 
just committed an over-the-back breaker on Gortat where he just kind of lazily grabbed his arm. And that's something that you'll find when guys get tired is they just, it's almost like an instinct takes over and you just want to foul just to like stop the action because you're so exhausted and you just start doing like dumb stuff. And that's what they were doing. Uh, so Gortat it hit one out of two free throws and it looked like they're in big trouble there's like two minutes left at this point down six and then they had two straight three-pointers uh which were both fantastic plays uh both by brad stevens on the first one and then isaiah made a great play but he hit a three first off off a, a really nice setup where they had a pick and roll run with bradley on the strong side and then horford left that pick and roll immediately when they brought gortat up to the level of the ball on that screen and horford was able to run to the other side screen for thomas and then thomas was able to get the ball going to his left uh and hit a three I mean, that was a huge shot they ran that play for a three down by six then john wall just had an absolutely awful possession after that was am i remembering correctly that that's the one where he kind of forced the floater no no this was the one where they like got a switch with isaiah on him with like four on the shot clock and then he was just like stuck on the outside and had to throw it up and, and, and didn't get any kind of a good shot. I mean, Markeith went up to set a pick and roll initially and Wall sent him away to bring over Isaiah. But, you know, Thomas is pretty quick. It, it, you know, the, the advantage on him is just that he's, you can get into the post on him and shoot over him. So having him on a switch with four on the shot clock actually wasn't really that useful and he was stuck on the sideline. So they got absolutely nothing. It was really just a miserable offensive possession. And then Thomas came down, he got a switch of Gortat. And this was, it was really the Wizards pick and roll and DHO defense down the end. I know Thomas is incredibly hard to guard. I don't want to take any credit away from him, but they had no plan on some of these plays. They were switching. They didn't know what they're they're switching. Like a bunch of times, John Wall looked like he was sort of in position to force Thomas away from the screen to the baseline. And that's where the big was waiting. But Wall just like wasn't really able to execute and just got screened in his back and let Thomas get middle anyway. And so then they would have to switch. And Thomas did a great job blowing by Gordon tot and looked like he was going to go into the lane Otto porter came off the strong sided shooter which was rosier and i have no idea how thomas saw that because he pivoted in the air at the dotted line and threw a pass basically like right over his, where his own head was and set up rosier for another huge three so they hit two threes in a row in two possessions and were tied right back up at 110 I and mean, that was the key sequence of the game probably and then that's when wall missed the floater was was at that point so i was i was a little bit early on it and then but the wizard still had a couple of chances here because then Isaiah got it got another clean look at a three off a screen and then Bradley missed that tip in and then the Wizards got the ball back and actually took the lead so I'm sorry I think my notes threw you off again because it was Morris actually you missed the floater in the pick and roll over Horford and I oh that's right the one where he didn't get enough lift yeah that's right right. well and, and I think what it really was was that number one you know it was Al Horford remember who Bruce Bowen did in the first game and there was some controversy I thought first Morris said that Horford apologized to him and then Morris in pregame today was like well I'm gonna ask him whether he actually did that on purpose and then Morris fouled him intentionally basically on like the second play of the game just like threw him into the uh into the stands like when they're going for a loose ball and committed a foul and but that wasn't too useful and Morris eventually fouled out but so Morris came with the floater and when Horford contested Morris was kind of jumping into him and I know he had to be worried about that ankle with you know he probably knew that that was Horford and he 
anytime you have a sprained ankle and you kind of feel a guy coming underneath you you're just like and, and you know he did he landed fine but you, that's going to lead to you kind of short arming like that so my guess would be that he just you know didn't feel comfortable trying to land with that in his head a little bit and so I, I think that's what happened there I, I thought I mean again Morris played an amazing game given his health status I don't want to impugn him at all but I think that it, it was a factor on that play um oh yeah and then so so after Thomas missed a three then it was just like terrible terrible flop by Marcus Smart to send John Wall to the line for two free throws in a tie game fortunately though for the Celtics he only missed or he only made one of those two and so they only had a one-point lead instead of a two-point lead and when a game goes to overtime all those things matter and and to, to talk about smart a little bit more like all that flopping stuff is bad enough but you know it kind of worked for him on occasion he'll get calls but don't do it in the fourth quarter like he, he had one where Gortat set a screen on him and, and got Beal open for a baseline out of bounds jumper in the corner and he just gave up on the play and let himself just get knocked down you know he, he had the play where he got like the tried for the pass and crash charge and and you just and then like John Wall like it's John Wall you're not going to get a charge on him with 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter it, even if you do actually get there and he kind of got there but then of course you know he flopped like he got shot by a cannonball but you're just you're not going to get that call it's, and maybe you do get it one out of every 10 times but then you get your own foul or you just take yourself completely out of the play the other nine times um, and he's a very good defender taking him out of the play yeah. is not worth it so then we really got got to the end and uh, at this point too Th- thomas had also made a really tough mid-ranger where he just broke uh markeef's ankles off of a switch markeef didn't have the mobility but you know thomas also is very difficult to stay with there and with wall only making one of those two free throws they're down 112 111 and then they just got some fantastic passing uh morris was fronted in the post wall had a great pass to him and then they hit gortat rolling down the lane and then he threw an amazing pass to the corner to otto porter who is just a money corner three-point shooter great job by porter replacing moving up to catch the pass he had to take two or three steps to his left which can be kind of hard footwork sometimes because the pass wasn't on target and he drained the three that put uh, the wizards up by two and then isaiah basically i mean i i thought that on on that and the kind of the the play there he really did set it up and very happy to see a pivotal foul call so eventually basically they got they got a switch and then attacked on this on kind of a second pick and roll and i thought there was no issue whatsoever with the foul call so that put isaiah at the line drills both free throws ties the game at 114 yeah they tried a couple of times first brad stevens ran his like two for one play which he'll with like 32 seconds left he starts on a sideline out of bounds throws it to isaiah thomas who starts in the backcourt gets it on the run and then tries to go right to the basket and that's when john wall blocked his shot then gortat fouled thomas on the perimeter with which was their foul to give and then they ran this great play where they had jay crowder who was being guarded by Porter sprint over and set a screen so they got the switch of Porter and then they had Horford set the screen on Porter immediately and that enabled Thomas to turn the corner on Gortat it basically ended up being a switch and Gortat ended up getting called for what was a justifiable foul I think Gortat either had like four or five fouls in the fourth quarter in overtime on his way to falling out and you know a, a bunch of them were on Isaiah Thomas and uh he ended up falling out in the overtime when Marcus Smart got around to get an offensive rebound so thomas with two ice free throws and then i thought that scott brooks did not make the right decision by calling a timeout because they had thomas on the line 
they had a chance to make their subs during the free throw and then they called a timeout to advance the ball with 14 seconds left but that enabled them to get thomas out of the game if you don't call timeout there thomas makes the free throw you can bring it down and go at him whereas you know they were able to bring in all these defensive subs and they had marcus smart guarding wall and smart was able to get a great contest uh with his long arms on uh, wall's uh, attempted game winner and then beal was way off on a pretty wide open elbow jumper on an offensive rebound and it went in overtime and once it reached overtime i mean i think that that was kind of the death knell for the wizards not only because of their fatigue but because two of their best players were in severe severe foul trouble and boston was not in similar similarly dire straits yeah and the wizards couldn't really score much in the overtime either i mean morris had a great pass off a pick and roll to Ubre in the corner for a three and kelly Ubre actually scored their first five points of the overtime uh and then he he had a dunk when isaiah failed to box him out but uh it was still just the isaiah thomas show there was this one play another one that they ran that was just impossible to guard so i'll try and describe it i probably won't do it justice but isaiah starts on the right side of the floor passes it to horford at the top of the key then he sprints like he's going to be going off a dribble handoff wall is sprinting right on his back doesn't take the dribble handoff sprints into the corner pretends like he's going to set a screen for bradley to come up and get the dribble handoff out of the corner instead bradley goes back door thomas then runs back gets the dho himself from horford and he's just i mean john wall is fast but isaiah just without the ball in his hands you just cannot keep up with him like it's absolutely ridiculous and we talked about how he really kind of got shut down two years ago by the likes of amon shumpert and now i think his off ball game is so good that he can unless you're just going to trap him on those plays there's really no way to deal with it because he's just faster and and he's really strong too at his size faster than anyone who's going to be guarding him and he can always get the advantage on those plays and and on this one then he threw an incredible pocket pass back to horford and horford was able to finish it at the rim that was unstoppable uh then he had another one-on-one where he blew past morris as they screwed up the pick and roll coverage wall was maybe supposed to try and keep him out of the middle morris was way over towards the baseline and then actually no i'm sorry it was porter who was way over by the baseline because he was playing the four and then thomas was able to blow by him and morris couldn't help because he had al horford in the opposite corner and then i thought another huge play was avery bradley who they switched on to john wall late i mean that just imagine someone like bradley smart rosier like all these guys they put jay crowder on john wall like they had rotating like four or five defenders through on wall and it just had to get exhausting at a while and then bradley just picked six to wall and put the celtics up three and i thought that was another just enormous play in the overtime and the celtics really didn't get threatened after that point right and then i thought the sequence that really sealed off the game was wall got a a pretty clean look at a three that would have tightened the margin significantly it would have tied it and yeah they they forced him to his left where he's less comfortable but he was wide open right so he did that and then the next time down thomas is able to just just nail the split just go right right in there didn't have the help and then all of a sudden it's a five-point game and they never looked back yeah and then isaiah put the absolute ice on it when he got that three-point play on markeith morris uh following him out of the game to to go up six with uh, a minute left after that Ubre dunk i mean, really just what can you say about this performance from isaiah you know that we haven't said yet it's just i mean i think when we were debating how good he is uh and a certain someone on on this podcast said that he like hasn't been successful in the playoffs and i as i recall i was like all right just you watch this 
this year. I think he's going to be better. And uh, I, I would say he's lived up to that so far. He's been unbelievable, even with, you know, obviously the personal tragedy that he's going through. It was his, uh, his sisters would have been her 23rd birthday today. Yeah, I mean, he was absolutely spectacular in this game. And I mean, I, I don't want to shortchange John Wall because, I mean, for three quarters, John Wall to me was pretty much every, I mean, you could argue he was every bit Isaiah's equal, but then Isaiah, that wasn't the best part of his game. The th- those three quarters were the best part of Wall's game. And then Isaiah turned it on for that fourth quarter in overtime. And he was spectacular. I mean, they, they did a good job setting him up. I mean, he's been amazing at kind of being this hybrid of on-ball, off-ball and taking advantage of his unique game. Gifts. I, I Stevens and Thomas have worked together in the kind of the symbiotic relationship to really maximize what he does really well. And this game put it in stark relief of just how that can work. And he executed it magnificently. All right, we'll get to Golden State in Utah, a game that we were at earlier today momentarily. But because Mother's Day is coming up, we need to tell you about Sherry's Berries. Great time, of course, to have them back on the show as a sponsor. I will actually be sending some to my girlfriend's mother. Please don't tell her that in advance. I happen to know that she loves strawberries and loves chocolate, but I'm guessing that these will be an awesome gift for because they are the best chocolate dipped strawberries that I have ever encountered. They're huge, sweet, juicy, covered in decadent toppings. There's chocolate chips, chopped nuts, white milk, dark chocolate. And these things will take you like three bites to finish one. They are just some of the bigger strawberries that I've come across. And a lot of times when you get big strawberries, they're maybe not as tasty. You know, these are really tasty also. And obviously the chocolate is a great capper. So right now, if you want to, you can actually double the berries for just $10 more. And they start at just $19.99 plus shipping. So you just pick your delivery date, potentially, I don't know, Mother's Day, and your berries are guaranteed to arrive fresh and delicious or your money back. The way to get this amazing deal for berries starting at just $19.99 is to visit berries.com. You click on the microphone in the top right corner and use, of course, my code CAPSPACE, which is easy to remember because we talk about it all the time on the program and also is the way to tell them that you came from us. That's B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot com and use the code CAPSPACE when you click on the mic. This amazing deal won't last long and Mother's Day is right around the corner. Be sure to order now. So this is pretty much exactly what we expected. I mean, for the most part, I think you could say that there were a few kind of nuances that were different and interesting. I think the most surprising to me was Utah being as comfortable as they were with Gobert all the way out on the perimeter, particularly switched on Steph Curry. How many times did they really that i didn't see them do that I that thought, much and obviously i remember i remembered three or four which is yeah. more well, than i, I mean, expected yeah and obviously curry just turned him into a, an absolute pretzel on that one play that's going to go on the highlights where he just basically turned him around and then went in for an awesome reverse layup the greater issue to me in this one was the jazz offense i, I thought that they really joe johnson in particular whom they started i which a move i agreed with because i thought that dr was just going to be too slow uh joe johnson just was able to get nothing going he actually went three of six on threes but that was all stuff that was being set up by others when you look at the fact that he's only able to get four two-point shots off and he was trying at times and just they don't have any defenders that he can go after anymore like Draymond Green is too strong Kevin Durant is way too long for him to get a good shot over uh, and is pretty strong in his own right Andre Godala obviously is fantastic and even Clay Thompson if they switch him on Clay's pretty strong as well and of course they have like great help defense as well if he's really going to try to work into the lane I mean there was one possession when he was guarded by Green where he just 
dribbled out the entire clock and just got absolutely nothing uh I mean do you agree with me I I don't really see a way for Johnson to be effective other than as a spot-up shooter in this series I find it interesting that you that you trained your focus on Joe Johnson with that and I agree with all that I thought of basically the exact same line but for me it was more interesting on Gordon Hayward because Hayward is in such a different place than last series this was true with Joe Johnson I mean these, these pieces all run together for Utah which makes sense basically there aren't many matchups other than when they can get Curry on him obviously that you're sitting there going okay this is a a a really like exploitable mismatch like there there are times when Hayward has the advantage and he will make more of the shots that he took usually than than happen in game one but those looks are going to be harder to get and they're going to be more contested in this series than they were last game or earlier in the Clippers series I think so and and they're not really going to go after like Steph Curry that hard uh and I think Steph actually does a better job than like guys like Crawford and Reddick did in the other series uh and especially when it's either David West or Draymond Green at center which they didn't even really have to go to that much they only had to play Draymond at center for like three minutes or got to play him at center for three minutes but I think they can do a little something against Pachulia or against JaVale McGee who I thought actually played a poor game today um they can have some success in pick and roll but i mean you got to just go after the center every time because any other stuff that you're running they're just going to switch it and utah just doesn't have the guys with the juice who are going to be able to go one-on-one against these golden state defenders all of whom are of course quite excellent defensively and then you know i mean even like and then there's great help behind them also i talked about that with david Locke when we were previewing the series for our respective podcasts and the idea that you and i have talked about ad nauseum that the Warriors switching so much basically turn every team into an isolation team. And while I like Utah's talent relative to most other teams doing that, even so, creating an isolation in most of the configurations that presented themselves did not produce good looks. And their best ones were when they were in in other circumstances creating like drive and kicks and things of that nature. Yeah, so so that's one big structural problem that they have is that they can't really create that well. And you know, every once in a while, again in pick and roll, they're able to find the guy on the the backside for a three, and they're effective there. Their other structural problem is they don't force any turnovers, despite having a very solid defense. And the Warriors, that's their big Achilles heel. The games where you really see them out of source offensively is when they're kind of start kicking the ball over the gym. And Utah, Gobert is a good steals guy for a center, but they just don't. Force turnovers i mean they don't have anyone else on the team who gets any steals and they don't really have very quick hands and they don't have a lot of guy with with extremely quick feet i mean they have guys who compete who will get over screens who will they'll avoid making mental mistakes but you're just going to be at such a deficit if you only force seven turnovers as they did against this warriors team i mean like the Warriors shot 7 out of 29 on 3, 24%, and they still had a really good offensive game, 121 offensive rating through non-garbage time, which, of course, is outstanding. And, and that's even though this was played at, at Utah's pace as well. So you can't expect that the Warriors are going to shoot that poorly on threes again. Uh, they did keep them on, off the offensive glass very well. Uh, 
but they just the Warriors are just too good at scoring that if you don't turn them over, I mean, you have no chance to stop them. I looked it up inspired by the conversation we had during the game, and Utah was 26th in opponent turnover percentage, which is shocking considering how they're basically the only team that was in that range that ended up having a high level defense. You know, the teams around them are not surprising considering it's like, you know, the Knicks and the Nets and the Cavs and teams like that. None of those teams had good defenses. And that produces a real challenge for the Warriors because not only is it is it an issue of, you know, just the shots they get are better, but their worst defense is transition defense. And Utah, beyond not getting turnovers, they don't run as aggressively in transition. So they're dealing with the Warriors in the half court more often than they should. Yeah, that's a good point. And they also gave up 29 fast break points. So despite the fact the game was played at a slow pace, you know, really a, a low 90s in terms of possessions, which is right on where Utah normally plays, that's all because Utah is just grinding the ball into a pulp on offense and then there's not able to get back. I thought that I mean, they only had eight offensive rebounds in, in this game. Gobert only had two. And I thought that he and Favors... Favors was awful, by the way, and really looked to be struggling with that that back injury that made him questionable. But them going for those offensive rebounds really led to so many fast breaks. And when they're only were getting, I mean, it's almost like if you're going to send one guy to the glass against Golden State, you might as well just send zero because you're not going to like, and you got to get your bigs back. And, and Gobert is really effective. I thought he was pretty good in the half court most of the time when he was in there. But if he's going to go for the offensive board, now they just, I mean, your your best rim protector is Joe Johnson or Boris Diaw at the four, and you're either going to give up a three or you're going to give up a layup in transition. And that happened, I thought, uh, fairly often to the Jazz as well. And that ties in with something that we saw not in game two of Celtics Wizards, but more in game one, where going small, and the Wizards did it by necessity after Boris t- badly sprained his ankle, but when the team goes with a natural three at power forward, it creates these really dangerous spillover effects in terms of health defense because most of those players aren't particularly adept at it. Incidentally, the Warriors probably have the guy who I would trust the most as a health defender at the three in Kevin Durant, sliding him to the four. But, you know, Gordon Hayward, Joe Johnson, even Boris to a point, like they don't they don't play with that kind of intensity. And as you can see with the way that the Warriors handle Gobert, it's not only the force that you play with, but it's the residual effects that that has because players are aware of the guys that can block their shots of the guys that can change their shots and if there's no fear in the warriors in half court or in transition in that way they're just going to run you ragged the other thing that utah we talked about just some of the structural deficiencies that i just don't think they're going to be able to fix but the one thing they need to fix is they just cannot give up any more bullshit backdoors. Like you, you have to just completely take it away. And that, that to me is one of the bigger reasons why. I mean, just giving up open threes coming off of screens and not giving up backdoors out of the post or from passing from David West from the top. You know, he had seven assists in this game. Uh, you can do by switching. Now the Jazz did not do hardly any switching because again, you know, with Johnson out there, he's too slow to guard any of these guys. Dia is way too slow to guard any of these guys. You know, I think that maybe what they need to do more of is Gordon Hayward playing the four, and then you have Hood and Ingles. Maybe even give Dante Exum a little bit more time defensively, and then you know Hood at the one, and then maybe you you would mix in Shelvin Mack, who actually thought played pretty well today. He had some some nice strips, and uh, he is the JaVale McGee kryptonite at the rim. He just seems able to score over him at the rim every time. Um, 
and try and mix in a few more of those guys and just say hey you know what like Dion Johnson like you guys are a little bit too slow to play in this series unless you know Steph Curry is out of the game and then maybe we can go to a more conventional type of style of course you know when Steph Curry was out of the game is actually when the Jazz lost this game you know they had favors at center and and couldn't really get anything done and that West Draymond Clay Thompson led unit really was what won the Warriors this game Thompson it's rare that you'll see him lead the Warriors in plus minus as he did with plus 23 especially when he didn't shoot uh, particularly prolifically I was a little bit more than a little bit surprised by Quinn Snyder's rotations on the idea that the Warriors with their talent level I think you do kind of have to when possible adjust to what they're doing this is kind of like the idea of the Pacers matching Paul George's minutes to LeBron's rather than the other way around and the Warriors run even with the interim coach and everything that's going on with Kerr they run very predictable sub rotations. Like they've been, you know, other than some nominal shifts in terms of who is on the second unit, the general core of it has been pretty similar now for a couple months. And I was not only surprised to see Hayward and Gobert out at the same time at the beginning of the second and fourth quarters, but surprised to see Shelvin Mack as the point guard. While I agree with you that I thought he looked good offensively and made a comment and got complained about by Jazz fans all the time, and I, yeah, I don't. They didn't I, have anyone in the game who could run a pick and roll. I, I guess right. Hood was in at that time, and he actually played pretty well, but he's not really, right. you know, a guy who's going to set things up for others. So so where I was going with this is, so they they had Hill in for some of those moments, and then they had Mac with Curry, and Mac cannot guard Stephen Curry. Like, that was a, that was a pretty a pretty glaring deficiency in that. And so I was just kind of sitting there thinking, okay, well, what what they need to do in that sense is play the, play the hand that you're dealt. And so when Curry's in the game, George Hill, Dante Exum are on him, if you want to have Gordon Hayward on the floor when Exum is out there more power to you you can use Hood you can use a lot of other guys in that circumstance they have guys who can create off the dribble but make sure that you that you use the Warriors rotations as the basis for yours because they're not going to change based on what you do yeah certainly not early in a series when I mean and David Locke made this point that they the Warriors have now won 20 straight games that they actually tried in the only one that they lost is that Jazz game where you know they sat their starters in the fourth quarter and that was you know one of KD's first games back on the the Monday before the regular season ended um so I thought Curry was awesome in this game he had an underrated game 22 points on only 14 shooting possessions and uh, five assists but he also I mean look out world on this seven to seven from the line and he drew five of those on like bullshit foul drawing techniques we've been saying for a long time that he quote unquote needs to start doing that I mean with how good of a shooter he is like he can take advantage so much and he had like a rip through move uh where he felt contact and just threw up threw it up and then he did the like stop as the guy is chasing me around the screen and try to shoot a three uh, on Rodney Hood as well I think he might have gotten both those fouls on Hood so I mean if he's going to start doing that now too and just you know and he hits every single free throw obviously in addition to just his overall gaming he only shot one out of four on threes he did a good job running him off the line but uh he's just going to be completely unstoppable um one thing I did want to talk about though and this is probably a little bit of nothing but I thought that Kevin Durant had some really odd body language out there today uh that you know when he got taken out of the game in the first and third quarter I mean he just walked off the court completely lifelessly like barely high-fied everyone like didn't look to be having any kind of fun out on the floor just like a little something to watch I'm not sure whether like his knee was bothering him and he was frustrated or just you know there was something going on he felt like 
like he just you know wasn't getting enough shots which you know he actually led the team in shots although they kind of left him out there for longer than a lot of the guys in garbage time he was seven out of 17 one of his less efficient games of the season only got to the line twice a little bit uh, he still you know he still played good defense he was still a good part of the team he helped but uh, maybe we'll just completely forget about this if you know we don't see it again but i, I did think it was it was kind of odd i mean he was in good good spirits in the locker room afterwards but i, I just i hadn't really ever seen that from him before i noticed it in the third quarter i didn't notice it in the first and i don't read anything off of a single performance i think you know it, he had a, a, a str- kind of a strange game which could also have been bothering him he was three of nine in the restricted area granted a lot of that is rudy gobert being yeah. rudy gobert he, he missed all the warriors were 11 to 16 in the restricted area in the first half and durant missed all five of those shots he was two of seven in the first half so yeah i could imagine things like that being being frustrating so it's something to note and we'll see what happens moving forward what can the jazz do differently next game you you mentioned the, the rotations uh i agree with you to some degree there um i mean i think playing hayward or or if you want to call it ingles one of those two guys at the four just to try to get a little bit better defensively get some more switchability which i think that i mean they i think they really have the ability to switch one through four against this team and and if you've especially if you've got gobert behind you then you can kind of if you're going to go like kd trying to post up on george hill or something you know you've got help behind you you can be pretty aggressive there i think you know that's something that they should really consider trying to just, just take away those back cuts and then you know we you've been saying it forever that they just they need to run more offensively and they had some success when they actually did run but it's just like half court against the Warriors you're just you're just not going to score man and and they're not going to out defense the Warriors because you know they don't have the option of going with favors at the four he just looks too limited right now and too slow uh you know to kind of beat them though they didn't beat them but you know stay with them and and muck up the game and make it really ugly and protect the basket the way they did two years ago so I, I don't really know what the option is other than just like you know less Johnson and less Dia. And if you're reducing both of those guys, they don't have that many other options. I mean, they got yeah. th- they got significant playing time out of all their all, all their normal guys. Considering, yeah. I mean, the fact maybe that- it'd just be more be more Axum. Um, he, he might be a little skinny and he, he's going to struggle to execute. He's probably going to foul a bunch. Uh, well, Mac so- is strong. He could switch a little bit, maybe. The other big thing that I would do is be even more ruthless. They did a good job. Of this at especially the beginning of JaVale McGee's minutes in the first quarter of just going after them they had this beautiful I don't even know if you would consider it a staggered pick and roll if it was just two pick and rolls one after the other and that got him a little bit out of sorts and just going after things like that trying to get Stephen Curry in foul trouble because that's one he, he's not necessarily the greatest that he does pick up his fouls in weird ways so sometimes you can't play that you just kind of have to do it but I think they need to do to do all of those things and periodically you know maybe maybe as as much as i hate doing this for most teams gamble a little bit more go to some of those david strategies try to get a couple more turnovers just because playing them playing the warriors straight is not a winning strategy the hope there rudy gobert looked a little bit better more mobile i mean i know he got turned around by steph curry but other than that he was effective defensively they're only minus three in his 31 minutes um 
he actually led the team in scoring with 13 points was a crazy low uh Rodney Hood the fact that I I know he went 0 for 4 on threes but he had some spectacular finishes at the rim and it had a couple of mid-range jumpers as well I mean that like to get a little bit more of just creation from him the the ability to do something off the drill they're going to need that from him and he played 23 minutes I think he's got to play more uh so I think there are things that they can try but the biggest thing to me is just not for the not forcing the turnovers and the lack of one-on-one guys I'm just not sure how you how they can overcome that I think they can get better defensively but they might actually play better defense and give up more points because the Warriors will just shoot better on threes to me game one of this kind of reminded me a little bit of game one of Cavs Raptors in the sense that really what we're discussing now is how long this series is going to go not who's going to win it and that doesn't mean it's a definite you know these there's always that wiggle room in sports but the Warriors even though they didn't play their best game they were still substantially better in game one you worried at all about this ankle tweak that everyone says is nothing but was still getting treated on the sidelines at curry after he just made a wide open layup like seemed to tweak it a little bit a little bit. You always kind of note that sort of stuff with Steph. He didn't do I've much com- after that. I've covered him. I've covered him long enough that you, you kind of keep an eye for all those things, even though he's been so much better over the last couple of years, just working on it and everything else. But you note it, and then you, you see where things are on on Thursday for Game Two, and you know th- they are going to need him. I mean, he was a big part of some of their best offensive runs. It is interesting to just compare the fragility of Curry with you know his chief rival of these last couple of years LeBron James I mean LeBron just even when he does like turn an ankle or something everyone just assumes that he's going to be fine and Curry you know going back obviously to those ankle injuries that he had the surgery on and then you know that really torpedoed their chances in the 2013 playoffs against the Spurs is just like any kind of an injury for him is just like a DEFCON wait which one is DEFCON 5 the highest or is DEFCON 1 the highest one is the is the worst so like a defcon one is like the real serious yeah. thing and i think it yeah, goes so we'll, we'll call it defcon two yeah because defcon defcon two defense condition two i think is like conventional warfare and defcon one is like nuclear warfare so probably more you know conventional war maybe than, than nuclear war but uh yeah defcon two whenever curry suffers some sort of uh an injury or or a tweak or something but uh you know and kd he wasn't wearing from what i could tell uh that knee brace that he'd had on the mcl it looks like he's been able to shed that and it's now been nearly a month since he's been able to return uh so maybe he is feeling better i still think you know there's going to be some instability there he's not going to be quite the same guy you know he hasn't really had any dominant games other than that uh game one against portland so there's still ways to go for him there but yeah i mean the warriors are, are looking great i mean they didn't i didn't even think they played that well in this game uh i and, thought they played you know, well draymond, defensively yeah i mean draymond w- was awesome too he had 17 points uh one concern is that andre guadala was 0 for 6 on threes and all of them were wide open and he is now 0 for 15 on threes in the playoffs he hasn't reached the point yet where teams are gonna lay off him or have a lack of respect for i that think shot. it has i think that was actually the jazz strategy and i think it's a good one like i mean even even if he does make them laying off a he and draymond draymond of course has been hitting everything from three in the playoffs so you know that's making he's up like for 13 to 25 off. or something i think he's like 19 to 34 it might even be like more than that he was Jesus. two for five today um 
So, I mean, 17 points on 10 shots is excellent for him. Two assists, two steals, two blocks, ho-hum, you know, only two fouls. He, he was fantastic. And had, yeah, a couple I mean, of, like, had a couple of ridiculous tra- plays where he just completely snuffed out a transition look for the Jazz, some of the few they yeah. actually got. I mean, Green, maybe if, if there's any weakness that he has as a defender, it's going in. It's just like super quick guys. And Utah doesn't have anyone like that on their entire roster. Like there's nobody, if he gets switched on to someone, like none of these Jazz guys have any kind of a chance scoring on him. And because they just don't have guys with the quickness to get the separation on him. And, and he's too strong for any of them to kind of like go through or try and post up. All right, we done here? Yeah, I think so. All right, well, at 2.28 a.m., I shall bid you adieu, Danny. Thank you for joining us here, as always, on Dunk Time. If you enjoy this show and if you enjoy the Twitter NBA show, please don't forget about the newest and best way to support our endeavors. Patreon, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue is the URL to do that. That's basically our sole means of support right now for the Twitter NBA show. So if you like that, we encourage you to throw a subscription our way and we'll be back tomorrow with the Twitter NBA show for a pair of really interesting game twos cleveland toronto and houston san antonio the latter of which i'm really fascinated to see it was san antonio trying to come back and of course don't forget about our sponsors today sherry's berries use the cap space code with sherry's berries for mother's day and then blinkist.com slash cap space to get summaries of key insights of over 2,000 non-fiction books in 15 minutes or less either audio or in text format talk to y'all next time Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.